Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Support WrestleTalk. Donate on Patreon. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. That's back. I'm Ollie <laughs> Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swap Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? I'm good. We're both a bit tired because I, I had... I did a task today that I had no idea. Even when I was doing it, I was just like, oh, I'm just doing this thing. But it, it's actually very mentally and, and physically draining. And after I did it, I was like, I'm exhausted. I sold my car, folks. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, big day. Big day. I didn't realize. Well, I did realize. I just didn't emotionally realize how much me and that car have been through. Yeah. Yeah. How long have you had the car for? I had it. I've had it for. Yeah, that shocked me as well when they put it up. and Because I, I just went to a place that takes any car, no questions asked. They say, we'll give you 1,600 quid for that car. And then they go, oh, there's a scratch there. Like, oh, well, that's probably a couple of quid off. 500 quid off. Bloody hell. I know. And by the time you're there, I'm like, just take it, man. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, I, I've had 2014 I got it. 2014 for my 25th birthday, wow. which was... 10 years ago. <laughs> I said 2014 so five years old and it wasn't like a birthday present it was a birthday loan that mm. I had to pay uh, back okay. because Ollie was unemployed Ollie lost his job six months beforehand Ollie was floundering and I got a job freelancing across the world wow uh, it was a two hour trip that was, in, that was even longer by public transport so I had to get a car but I hadn't driven a car for about seven years. So my dad, an absolute hero, helped me find this car. We got the car. And then because I was so nervous, I had to drive through London, through King's Cross, like all these really busy parts, then go out into the countryside and weave through loads of tiny, ridiculously hilly country lanes. Those are the worst two kinds of driving. Yeah, not fun. For two hours, you do a 12-hour night shift and then a two-hour drive back home. That was my that was my life back then. But I was so scared about driving again and stalling. My dad, get this, would do his day at work, finish early, come to my house in Wood Green in North London back then, and drive with drive in front of me from five p.m. to seven p.m. 
to get to my night shift, he would then sleep in his car. <sighs> and I'd say, Dad, please, just get, like, there's a hotel there. I'll, I'll pay for you. For and he was yeah. like, nope, nope, I'm sleeping in the car. And he would sleep in the car and then he'd wake up and he'd drive in front of me on the way home. And we'd get back to mine. He would shave at my house, <laughs> much to the confusion of my housemates, and then go to work. And he did that for a week until I was confident enough to drive by myself. Right. So that car, like, and like without that job, I wouldn't have been able to sort of start working on, because that gave, it was, you know, I, I could I could work really like high paid for a week and then take a few weeks off to do WrestleTalk stuff. And, and that's how we built up WrestleTalk, really. And then this car would help me get to the old Dagenham studio. Old Dag studios. Yeah. And I wouldn't have been able to really get there as much if I didn't have that. So yeah, but now since we moved to the new studio, I can ride here in my on my bike in 25 minutes. It takes 40 minutes in the car because <laughs> of just how congested the roads are. So when I handed over the the keys, it was like got a little pang. Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Yeah, I said it's called Pingu. <laughs> Take good care of it. And I asked him, do people get emotional when they hand over your cars? And he said, yeah, like most guys are just like, yeah, there you go. Uh, can I can I have more money? <laughs> But he said about 40% of women start bawling. Really? Yeah, yeah. Anecdotally evidence there. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. It's... Did you feel like that was a slight against you because you were getting so emotional about I, it? I don't, well, I, I, <laughs> I like, don't know. I mean, uh, blokes when they're handed <laughs> over. Nothing else. Girls on the other hand. Yeah. Handsy girls on the other hand. Cry at the drop of a hat, mate. <laughs> I did say, I'll probably cry when I get out. <laughs> when I walk home. Uh, but yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, the car's come. He served me well. Yeah. Did I tell you about the spark joy moment I had this mar this morning? <laughs> you did not. Because Anna, my lady partner, was also very sad to see the, the She's car part go. Forty percent. Yeah. Uh, she is. <laughs> because we, she came downstairs this morning to the car park to say to effectively do a Marie Kondo. Thank, thank you. Because I was her her first boyfriend that had a car oh, that right. would drive her around places. So she's got an even, probably more of an emotional attachment to it than me. Because she sees that car, she thinks Ollie. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and I, I'm like, I did a little like jokey, thank you, Sparkjoy <laughs> car, for, for all the stuff you've done for us. It's like a dog. I've, I've never had a dog. No. And I imagine it's exactly the same as losing <laughs> a dog. <laughs> and uh, I turn around, Anna is bawling. Oh, She's going to hate me saying this. <laughs> she was crying so hard. Oh, no. I was like, oh, you poor thing. Yeah. So, oh, that's sad. So, yeah. It's weird how we can get attached to uh, physical objects. Yeah, mm. absolutely. When was the last time you got really attached to a physical object? Do you know what? I, I don't, I, I, I can't, I don't know is the honest answer. But I think the closest thing I can think of is that... I so I've got I had a, well I had a lot of retro game consoles. I built mm. up a bit of a collection. I had like a Master System, a Mega Drive, an N64, a SNES, and NES. I had a, a good like big strong collection of these consoles that were from like the late night late eighties through to the nineties, all the way through to Dreamcast. I was very very proud of them. I had a good like selection of games for them and everything. I used to have them out on display, and I was very very proud of my collection. Not not huge, not by any stretch of the imagination. There are people with much more impressive collections, but I was very proud of the the small collection that I had. And then I had to put a lot of into a storage, which I was very, you know, I was kind of sad about because I liked having them there. I liked having the option of just getting them out. I now don't know where they are. Mm. So 
the, there are two theories. Either they have just been lost within the transport of taking them from a house that I was uh. living in or moving into my parents' storage or moving into my parents' house. And they've just been lost along the way before I've moved into, finally into this house. Because like me moving out of with my, with my friends to me moving into my house was like a five, six, seven year journey. So it was like a long time for stuff to be just sort of stuck in storage. It's why when I got all my DVDs out, it was very easy for me to get rid of them. I was like, well, I haven't had them for seven years. Mm. And I clearly don't miss them. Mm. So I can just, I can easily get rid of these. No spark joy. No, they, they did not spark joy. Spark but, indifference. But my consoles did, and I don't know where they are. And I do have a, uh, I do have a theory that my previous housemates sold them. Oh. Because I did keep them there when I moved back into my parents' house. I asked if we could use the spare room to store some of my stuff because there wasn't enough room in my parents' house or in their storage to keep all my boxes. And I think that my housemate might have sold them without me knowing. Whoa, what sort of person sells someone else's possessions? Oh, well, he wasn't a very nice person. That is bad place. So I think I think that's what's happened to them. So that I do get, like, I think about it every now and again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've got no proof that he's done it. Like, there, there's absolutely no evidence because I didn't check the boxes when I finally took them out. So I've got no evidence to go one way or the other. All I know is I had them in that house. I don't have them anymore. And they've been lost along the way. There's some other stuff as well. Case but... closed, Judge. <laughs> exactly. So that, I would say, is the one that, like, that that pangs some emotion to mm. me because I do think about that collection sometimes. Oh. And how I don't have it anymore. I had, like, a two-TV setup for it as well because my older 90s consoles looked a bit rubbish on my big TV. So I had, like, an old CRT TV for just those consoles to plug my NES into. The ones that are deeper than they are wide. Exactly. Um, oh, do you want this quick email before we crack on into sure. the show? This is a follow-up email to the irrational fear we had from Richard, who was talking about his irrational fear of bodies of water. Yes. And you asked about baths. Yeah, right. like, how big... Is, does water have to be he's to be a body? says, hi, Luke, Ollie, and Laurie. For clarification of my fear of water, I can't do tubs or anything bigger without getting great anxiety. Whoa. I have to stay clean with just showers. I'm trying to get over this fear, but it is a challenge. That's from Rick. Hmm. Um, Maybe that is similar to what the, the girl at uni had then. Yeah, that's, yeah that sounds, sounds about I right. I also got a tweet in as well. I'm, I'm apologizing because uh, I can't remember who it was. and it, Unfortunately, I've, I've lost the tweet um, who suggested, because we were trying to think of movies with bodies of water where the water was like actual... Yeah, of, abyss. Yeah, and they, uh, he came up with Moana. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, so that was a very good, good shout. Um, would you like another irrational fear before we get into the show? Um, and then when we get back, oh, the apparently the alarm clock debate is our new... <sighs> our new civil wardrobe this one comes in from Aaron saying "Um, sorry but I took the smallest of anecdotes from the Saturday show and decided to send in my irrational fear it's snakes well that doesn't seem irrational at first what makes it irrational is that I'm terrified borderline petrified of all snakes I'll almost passed out seeing a measly garden snake so sorry for wasting your time keep up the consistent work and getting me through my work day every day greetings from Cleveland Ohio stateside what about trouser snakes (laughs) So yeah, we need an irrational, we need a follow-up email. To... Oh, you got to clarify that. <laughs> what about Justin Trouser Snake? All right, going to crack into the show now. I do want to uh, point out for the show, though, and because I, I pointed this out on the podcast interviews that we did as well. If you are looking to avoid spoilers for Super Strong Style 16, there we do talk about the results of the tournament in the mailbag portion of this show. So spoiler warning is out there just in case. Uh, but anyway, we're going to be talking about, before that, the AEW versus WWE war heating up. Here's the show. Well, we have your crap gimmicks, your mailbag questions coming up. But first, we're kicking off with 
not just one of the biggest discussion and overall stories of the year, but potentially of the wrestling industry for the last two decades. Certainly the last two decades. We have not had a proper, say uh, I'm going to use proper in air quotes there, wrestling war since uh, WCW was purchased. Oh, I lived through January 4th, 2010. I did too, my friend, but I would hardly call that a proper war. Two year, no. Two year, no. I'm destroying the desk. What are you doing to the desk? Sorry, I don't know where Simon left this seat in such a state that it was making me destroy the desk as I was trying to, like, get comfortable in it. Housemate Simon. Housemate Simon. Anyway, so yeah, this is a huge, huge deal. This is AEW. Next week, next week we should hear May 15th. Uh, at 3 p.m. Uh, UK time, because it's 10 a.m. Eastern, mm. the upfronts are going to be taking place, the media upfronts with Turner Broadcasting. So this is one of those things that everyone started talking about. I've started reading upfronts this, upfronts that. I'd, I'd never heard of upfronts before. I have heard of upfronts before, because it's where you find out what new shows are going to be. So this is where they, they say... We tried out these shows last year and we're picking up these things for a new season. It's for advertisers. So advertising uh, companies who want to advertise with Turner will go to this event and Turner will say, here are the shows we've got coming up this year. Mm. And then they will essentially just go around and start to shop around with the advertiser (coughs) and be like, do you want to attach your product to this brand? Do you want to work out a sponsorship deal? Do you want to have advertising slots when this show is on the air. So it's a really corporate comic con. Oh, pr- a proper corporate comic con. A, a, jo- a previous job of mine was making apps for events like this. So I've, I've used one like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm au okay with this sort of thing. And but, so this is the same thing, like all the big TV networks are having them next week. This cup is very unwieldy. Yeah, that's, that's, that's loose. So you've got, because I read that Fox are going to have like John Cena and the, maybe not Cena, but the Bella twins. Yes, because and, everyone's in the European tour. And Becky and even Ronda is, is going to be at these events. I, I like, it's the way that WWE is like, oh, well, I guess we're going to have to send these people to the, oh, we can't send, you know, the actual people who are going to be on the show. We'll send the we'll send John Cena, massive movie star John Cena, the Bella Twins, and their quite successful reality TV show, and Ronda Rousey, four people who will not be featured on the show when it comes to October. So out of character for WWE as well to promise you one thing mm-hmm. and not deliver on it. Yeah. So this is the media upfront, and Turner are going to be presenting, um, at least according to the rap that AEW is going to be launching in October, uh, either on a Tuesday or Wednesday, is what Dave Meltzer is speculating, but it's likely going to be between 8 and 10 p.m. So it's a prime time position, um, yeah, on either a Tuesday or Wednesday in October. Could be on TNT, could be on TBS. It's got to be Tuesday. Tuesday night. Tuesday night, Dynamite is one of the trademarks that AEW issued last year. It's such a good name. And it worked out, it works out quite nicely because... SmackDown is moving off Tuesday nights in October when it moves to Fridays, which you and I still have not worked out what's going to happen. Well, AEW will hopefully not just save the wrestling industry, but our social lives too. Okay. Meaning we'll just switch SmackDown out for AEW. Lovely stuff. The, Sma- the SmackDown Wednesday show will become the AEW review yeah. and we'll cover SmackDown's fallout on, on Monday. Monday, yeah. Yeah, or maybe Pete will just work on Saturdays. <laughs> I haven't thought it out yet. Well, this is funny because it was, what, last year, middle of last year that they announced that they were going to be moving to Fox on a Friday night and I texted you being like, moving to Friday night, what are we going to do? That's all right, it's still a little while away. Yeah, we've still got time to work yeah. it out. I have not had one discussion. Let's since. let's kick that into the long grass <laughs> for as long as we possibly can. Uh, but yeah, this is so. This is one side of this war, 
And really, if you're WWE, you want to start this war in a very strategically strong position. And I guess they kind of are in terms of deals that are already in place. Fox have already committed a billion dollars over five years for yeah. SmackDown to move to them from October. That's a lot of money. And that ends in 2024. That's that's a long time to be safe. I think the USA deal is three years, yep. uh, which is also for a lot of money to keep raw. So their foreseeable future domestically in the US is very safe. Apparently, they've got a very big India deal around the corner as well. But you've got the, but the, the viewership... Has, has suffered historic lows mm -hmm. for both shows, like SmackDown since the brand split and Raw for the entire history of, it, of that program. Both of them record low ratings. So you're now going into this battle with AEW potentially in October where you're not going in there with a consistent 3 million or even 2.5 million viewers on average. You're going down there with something closer to 2 million, yeah. which is so much easier to beat. Yeah, uh, it's it's so funny. I, we didn't mention this at our live show, but we were talking about the uh, David Arquette title win on Thunder. That drew a 2.5 rating, which at the time was seen as an absolute disaster. Catastrophic. And, what, and it was catastrophically low. And that now, a 2.5 rating, would actually seems like that's quite a win. That's a, that's a big jump. Well, that 2.5 isn't 2.5 million either. 2.5 rating is is the percentage share of all the people watching. So a 2.5 rating then was probably like three and a half million. Yeah, uh, and that would that's that's what Raw was getting consistently three years ago. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry we keep getting bogged down in the numbers, but I personally find them fascinating. Also, it's what TV networks look yeah. for. Like TV networks want ratings. That's why they're TV networks. Mm. If you don't have TV ratings, then you can't get advertisers to jump on your shows. Therefore, you don't make any money, and it's a business. Yeah. So while to a, uh, to a wrestling fan, the numbers and the ratings might not seem that interesting, to the sort of granular business side of things, they're very, very key and very, very vital. Even in 2019, where there are streaming services, there's catch-up on demand, there's YouTube and things like that. TV audiences numbers are still very very important, mm. and they're the best. TV is still the best way to reach a wide audience because the way streaming services and algorithms work is that they send you further and further down your niche rabbit hole. So you're 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 not as likely to be introduced to something new online. You're more likely to like the stuff you already like more. Mm. Whereas TV, because someone's sitting like scheduled out a, a a schedule, a schedule, a schedule, and going, watch this now, watch this. You're like, huh, yeah, I'll just stick around and see what's on at seven. Yeah. Oh, I quite like Farscape. Huh, Farscape is now one of my favourite shows of all time. Yes. That's that, that, That's your story. childhood in a nutshell. That's how I found Buffy. Um, so, yeah, so I, I think it is a very, very exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Really, really exciting. I was actually, so we, on Friday, posted up on the Wrestle Ramble podcast feed uh, a series of interviews that we conducted over the Progress Super Strong Style 16 mm. weekend. We spoke to the likes of Jordan Grace and Walter and Trent Seven, Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen, and you uh, and Mark and Vicky Haskins. And you're like, okay, that's Impact Jordan Grace. <laughs> that's NXT UK's Walter and Trent Seven. That's Ring of Honor's Mark and Vicky Haskins. And it's AEW's Jimmy Havoc and Darby Allen. 
And it's fascinating to listen to that because each of those interviews talks about those businesses and the relationship between those businesses and what going to AEW means and what going to WWE means, what sticking with impact means, David Starr, what staying on the independent scene means to him. And I'm listening to this like, what a fascinating time to be a wrestling fan. Mm. What was so, so interesting. It must be like, I'm really curious to see how it all transpires. And if we really do get like, because we, we were kids in the 90s and... Even if you were as sort of smart fan in the nineties, you wouldn't have had the the like the sort of online forum. There were no podcasts. Yeah, there was and, no Twitter and the the Observer newsletter was still very much a sort printed. of niche. Yeah, it was, it was a physical copy you got through the post. <laughs> I think it was physical until about two thousand five. Yeah, Dave probably still thinks it is. And he actually does still do printed versions of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. have the adverts because he it? has subscribers that mm. don't want to read it online and they want to have their physical copies. That of makes it. perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But the he's been doing it since the seventies. So, so they always. I mean, I've always wondered what it would be like to live through. This is one of my geeky things that I like to imagine. Live through Victorian Britain in the Industrial Revolution and mm. just see these these communities go from, yeah, we, we farm a lot, to all the industry. Chuck a kid in that machine. Well, another way to look at this as well is that you and I do not have any children. Mm-hmm. But when we do have children then we will be able to say, like, I was. I went to go see Endgame at the cinema. Yeah. I was there to see Endgame at the cinema. And, like, that, it seems such, like, trivial stuff now because it's still in cinemas. But in 10 years' time, that's going to feel like a really big deal that you were there to get, like, on opening day, you were mm. there to see the biggest movie of all time. It's going to, yeah, I, it's like I was there to see Star Wars the first day. It's, it's a similar thing. Yeah. Sorry, now my... I didn't finish my, my thing. Oh, I do apologize. And, and now it I, just sounds I, like out of context. <laughs> Chuck a kid in a machine. Why well, is Ollie thought, talking about the industrial I revolution? That's what you wanted to see was <laughs> the kids thrown into the machine. No, but now, like, yeah, it's like we can experience the Monday Night Wars, not to that full extent, but all the sort of political warfare and company fighting. We can we can live through that and enjoy it. It's just very exciting from a salacious oh, yeah. backstage. Imagine all the stories, all the stories that have already happened. Dean Ambrose just was like, nah, I'm done, mate. Luke Harper requesting to yeah. leave and him being essentially sort of <coughs> screwed by the company, being like, ah, you were injured for six mm. months last year, so we're adding those six months. You see in The Observer what um, Meltzer said about this. Harper again approached Vince McMahon to ask for his release and being like, look, if you're not going to book me, why are you keeping me around? Vince just said, go to talk to Triple H about it. And Triple H won't return his calls. And so he's essentially stuck there. And they've just said, like, he's got no more bookings. He's not going to be used. He's essentially stuck there until April 2020. God, and even... I don't know how the contracts work. Can they just freeze that? Because they're not using it. They did with Rey Mysterio and they did with Pac for a while. Yeah, you got Sasha Banks in a similar situation where uh, reportedly she wants out. I think the word... I think PW Insider said... Uh, it's money in the bank is it like that is the deadline she if she's not she's not on the european tour she was advertised for it she was also advertised to do a um commercial shoot for ww2k20 and apparently hasn't filmed that yet so yeah it's fun uh, a lot but, of salacious stuff going on but while wwe have these domestic deals very strongly in place there i didn't know this until i read this week's newsletter WWE's biggest secondary market for pay-per-views. Well, second least. biggest, some might Se- say. Yeah, second biggest market. <laughs> biggest second market. Biggest second market for pay-per-views, at least. Maybe not for television. Is the UK. Yay! And I think I knew this, but I never really appreciated it because I just when I hear sorry Canadians when I hear the US, I just also assume Canada's part of that. <laughs> 
So I just, you know, I just thought Canada, like if you were, if you were to separate those out, Canada would be the next biggest buyer of pay-per-views. I would have assumed Canada was much bigger. Incorrect. It's Canada is behind the UK traditionally overall for pay-per-view buys, which is insane because over here they start at midnight or one a.m. Yeah. Uh, granted, they're much cheaper. They're like fifteen quid as opposed to sixty bucks. Yeah, so twenty-five dollars as opposed to sixty dollars. But yeah, that's so. WWE's Sky Deal, which is the the net the network that broadcasts it over in the UK, is running out this year. And you know, there are a lot of issues stemming back to the launch of the network when Sky had a deal for all of the pay-per-views to air, some would be in their pay-per-view service, others would be free to, not free to air, but at least on their bought cable channel. Uh, but then the WWE were like, yeah, we're going to release the network though. And they were, gonna re- they were just going to release, like, uh, make the network live. That's why we didn't get it in the UK for like a year. Yeah, or something like Maybe that. Maybe 18 months, because Sky kept on going, no, we've bought those shows. You can't <laughs> do that. Uh, quite rightly from Sky's perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm no fan <laughs> of Sky, but as, like they had signed this new deal with WWE like weeks before they announced the network, so it really felt like a let's quickly get this deal mm. signed because then we can announce the network and really screw over Sky because we've got their money now, we've got their money, but also we're going to get our own money over here. That is so carny, and that's what worries me about WWE is that sure they're fine now, sure they're fine in 2019, but these deals, the decision to go three hours rather than two. You, you didn't have to take that deal. Sure, it was a lot of money. So much more money. But what's like to, to me, I would rather have a large fan base and not chase off the audience with yeah. this extra hour of content that fatigues them every week. Well, that's the key to it. Yeah, I think some people do forget that the third hour is was not a WWE decision. It was a USA Network decision. They said, we want another hour of this show. WWE were hesitant to do it. Vince McMahon in particular was very hesitant to do it until they said, here's a big truckload of money for this third hour. And that's why they started to do it. Mm. And then it's become a standard. It's been a standard now for years and years and years. Yeah. And I, I th- for me, I think that's the single biggest thing that's driven away mm-hmm. viewers just because it's too much of a commitment. That's yeah. an end game every week. Oh, and end game had to be very good for me to not get annoyed <laughs> at how long it was. And WWE is... Nowhere close to being that good no. on a weekly basis. Yeah. Sure, Firefly Funhouse is. Yes. Firefly Funhouse was better than all of the MCU combined. Mm, you reckon? <laughs> it was better than Doctor Strange. I think that's a uh, non-controversial statement. <laughs> uh, but you were you were going to make a point about yes. us being the second biggest pay-per-view. Uh, yeah, so, so the UK oh, yeah. really is an important market in terms of the wrestling industry as a whole. And especially for, well, I, I suppose for... For English language wrestling promotions, because Mexico has got tremendous business with AAA and CMLL, New Japan likewise with New Japan. Uh, New Japan so, likewise with New Japan. Japan likewise with New Japan. Oh, did I, I say New, New Japan, Japan twice? You're like I'm tired today. Oh, actually, I, I, sh- I shouldn't. I shouldn't be too harsh because we are very tired. Mm. Like, I am. I'm falling apart today and there's a lot of facts to to keep track of (laughs) so but like what you've got is is wwe's uk foothold weakening with sky i mean i i I don't know what's going to go on there it's very interesting but now you've got itv which are the second biggest channel really sometimes joint biggest channel in the uk uh like making this deal with all elite wrestling which was announced on wednesday they're going to air that 
on their pay per view provide on their pay per view service. Yeah. With the pre show going on ITV four. And I was just like we even said it when we heard about it. Huh, ITV four, that's their fourth biggest channel. You because surprise, surprise, you've got ITV two. Yep. And you've got ITV B. B. Not three. B. Shows all their like reality yeah. show nonsense. B, you want... B and E, not. Yeah, not if, like... you, if you want to be like, if you want to watch The Only Way is Essex or pff, I don't know. Celebrity Love Island. There you go. All those great shows. All those great shows. But ITV4 is like a male skewed show where they, uh, where they just play sort of like UEFA. Champions League. Maybe not Champions League, the one, but the, the Europa, oh, League, Europa League, I think yeah, they yeah. have. And uh, just action movies and car shows yeah. and blokey bloke stuff. And now they're going to have the pre-show to Double or Nothing, which Buy is in. in two Saturdays, three, Saturday, three Saturdays time. So mm. two weeks from now, which I'm so excited about. It's crazy. I keep think. reading that card and it's too long. It's, you know, it's it's looking to be a, a five a hour show, show with the be, pre-show. Yeah. But yeah, so that's I, I, that is that is a bad for me. But yeah, I'm bloody excited for it. Very very excited. But it, I suppose it's a case of what the next couple of shows that they're doing, like uh, Fighter Fest and the one in Jacksonville, Fallen uh, Fight for the Fallen. Those are more like at, those are house shows. Mm. So those are going to be for smaller audiences. They might not be broadcast on pay per view. They might just be or might be broadcast somewhere somewhere else. And they are likely they will be shorter shows. So maybe it was just like this five hour thing is just for. Because this is our big debut show. How long was All In? Was that three hours? Well, it was no, it was long. I think it was about four hours too. Yeah, so maybe, maybe they're just over. gonna like do they save this for like your big big shows, and then your smaller shows will just be what you'd expect for a standard pay per view mm. length. The uh, young bucks will still probably have their time cut. <laughs> oh, bless nice them. one, Marty. Maybe that's why you're still with the Ring of Honor. <laughs> uh, the the uh, but yeah, so we we hear ITV four, and I think both of us were like, eh, well, you know, ITV four. Although it is a, it's huge news. Uh, but ITV4 is between the 12th and 18th most watched channels in the, UK. in the UK. I didn't appreciate this. And it has a far, far larger viewership than Sky, which is where WWE is broadcast on. Yeah, massive. Because one is behind a paywall. Yeah. And I never, like, Sky profile-wise, I would argue, is Sky Sports is a much bigger profile than ITV4, especially yeah. for live sports. So here are some numbers. Uh, the highest rated shows on ITV4 will do around 400,000 viewers. Now, I suppose to an American audience, that might not sound like mm. a huge deal. We are a, we're a smaller country. We're a sixth of your size, population-wise. Yes. So there's 400,000 viewers of the highest rated shows. Uh, WWE on Sky do well under 100,000. Mm. Um, and usually, well under 50,000. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that part of that is because it is from one to four in the morning, Yep. usually. And the other one's behind a paywall. Yeah, and it's three hours long. Uh, <laughs> but the, and all the other stuff. Yeah, but it's, it'll be very interesting to see how this, this interpromotional war develops. And I, I always thought that the first fighting ground would be the US. But to me, it now feels like the, the first skirmish, as it were, mm -hmm. is is in the UK as it, this sort of valuable strategic ground. And when you said that, all of a sudden I started to think of TNA in 2008, 2009, when that was broadcast on Freeview TV here in the UK, it was on Challenge. Mm -hmm. And Impact became a much more profitable promotion in the UK than it was in the US because it had actually an incredible viewership over here because as a country, we were, we were sort of like, we were looking for an alternative mm. to WWE at the time and Impact or TNA at the time 
was that alternative. And that's why their house show business, when they do UK tours, were incredible. There was a point in time where Impact nearly moved to the UK <coughs> and just set itself up as a UK-only promotion because it had such a strong fan base here. Problem was, well, at least for, the problem was for Impact, Progress and Rev Pro and ICW and all these other promotions start to because we were sort of like Hogan, Eric Bischoff. Well, and like all these other UK promotions start to stand up and be like, oh, actually, yeah, we, we British wrestling's really good. Mm. Let's do loads of British wrestling stuff. And then Impact just lost all of its viewership because all the Brits were like, I just got to watch Progress mm. instead. I could just go down and watch Rev Pro. Yeah, well, it'd be very interesting to see what happens. And we are really, really close to to the first proper opening which so, is yeah. AEW's proper debut on pay-per-view and next Wednesday at 10am Eastern is when the upfront starts so next Wednesday is going to be a very very interesting day for the wrestling world in 2019 ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. If you're wondering to yourself, what the heck is this a crap gimmick? Well, that's a segment we do here each and every Saturday on the Wrestle Ramble, where you, the Swath Nation, send to us your crap gimmicks, and then we, the bookers, nay promoters of crap gimmick wrestling, review them and decide whether we want to sign them to our crappy little show. If you want to send them in, all you've got to do is go to send them to Luke. Ah, oh, damn it, Luke at WrestleTalk.com. That's Luke at WrestleTalk.com. We've got a huge backlog dating all the way back to August last year, so we pick the earliest ones that we've got, which is in that August bracket, and then we pick them at random. We'll do three a week. 
So send them in. This is how we go. Florian sent this in on August 18th, 2018. And he has suggested the angry comic book kid. He is, he is small and not very well in shape. He wears a full bodysuit like Goldust and has different hero faces painted on it. He also wears a cape and... Uh, he, of course, also wears a matching cape. His opponents abuse this fact by trying it to the ring post, stepping on it while he runs into the ropes, such and stuff. You know, no capes. Oh. Edna was very clear on this. No capes. Yeah, I always get, like, the myst- Mysterio in the Spider-Man trailers. It's a very <laughs> in-your-face cape that's yeah. flattening around there. Yeah, it's all an illusion. It's an but illusional the- cape. I guess Thor has a cape. I'm trying to think of Marvel characters that yeah, have a Thor cape. Yeah, Thor has a cape, yeah. But not all the time. I feel like that gets that's the first thing to get dropped in fight <laughs> mode. <laughs> and really, that's just to look impressive while he's flying. Yeah. Huh. Mm. Marvel in my head is quite a capeless faction. No capes. His trademark maneuver are the Hulk smash, a Superman punch that every opponent no-sells, and rage mode, where he starts to pump himself up and the audience gets the feeling he might actually win the match, but in the end, it's never enough to win. His finisher is the Marvel and DC crossover, a splash from the top rope. His promos are about the great responsibility and the big bad, where he talks about taking down every villain on the roster. Every week, he challenges another heel to a match, but sadly, he loses every single match. After losing every match for about a year, he holds a promo saying that he can't beat the villains, so he has to join them and now calls himself the super villain and starts winning matches in the usual chicken s-word heel kind of way low blows pepper spray etc he also gets some new sidekicks three big guys called minion one minion two and minion three that do all the dirty work for him because he's winning so much he gets booked in the side match then he starts to do some fantasy booking there yeah that's down to us though that you don't do that's you're doing our job for us yeah yeah we, we we're creative here you just <laughs> come to us with your gimmicks yeah um i i, t- I feel like you see, the angry comic book kid and the idea of a kid dressing up as a different... First of all, I don't really like the... I've gone off the gimmicks where it's, hey, this is my gimmick. I have loads of different gimmicks. Mm-hmm. I don't usually think that works. I know we signed one like that last week, but I would argue that was more of a faction of people to build a coherent whole. This is like, my initial premise isn't strong enough, <laughs> so I have to you know, split it off into different bits. Uh, and also, I don't get... The idea of a Marvel and DC crossover, why would that be a splash from the top rope? Yeah, I wasn't sure about that one either. Yeah, so maybe I'm missing something there. Plus, I, you know, t- turning heel as a supervillain is cute, but this is crap gimmick wrestling. If you want to be a crap wrestler for most of the time, you're, this is how I see it going. Maybe d- drop the whole angry comic book kid and just call him comic book kid. Mm. He is a super baby face and he's really plucky. He loves all these superheroes and he tries to channel those superheroes' his power. But ultimately, he's not physically strong enough to win. And maybe there's a big, big bully guy. Call him... Smash... Smash Man. Smash Flompson. Smash Flompson, who's always dicking on him. And then one time they're in the ring, Smash Flompson's beating up Comic Book Kid. Comic Book Kid is like, you know, baby face in peril. Everyone's just willing him to get to his feet. And he powers up and he punches Smash Flompson. And it's actually a Superman punch. It's like the George McFly moment in Back to the Future. And he he is a superhero. He actually is a superhero all along. And we're fools for thinking he wasn't. Yeah. And it's that's that's your lovely moment. Unfortunately, I don't know where you go from there. So he'd have to go to another planet. <laughs> I have to go now. My planet yeah. needs me. I've I've been drafted to the Guardians. 
Robin Crenshaw uh, on October 3rd wrote, Hi all, love the show, etc. I've got a crap gimmick suggestion and I think pretty much writes itself. Let me present to you the osteopath, a wrestler who also happens to be a doctor specialising in the treatment of muscles and bones. He comes down to the ring to Bad Medicine by Bon Jovi, wearing traditional doctor garb, white coat, etc. I love love that, wearing typical blank garb. That's one of my favourite things in crap gimmick emails. Um, It writes itself, Luke. Why bother? (laughs) Uh, no need for a stethoscope or anything. This guy is strictly about the muscles. He himself is extremely muscular and chiseled, and his promos would point to each of his muscles and joints and laboriously describes the purpose of them, preaching the importance of caring for your joints and taking supplements, cod liver oil, etc. Naturally a heel, he would have a strong submission move and concentrate on joint manipulation, claiming that he has all the benefit of his opponents and would be writhing around in agony. Other moves that the osteopath would pull out includes the muscle buster, backstabber, and backbreaker. Hope you like my submission. Pun 100% intended. <laughs> Uh, I like this Um, yeah bad medicine Dr. Garb I don't know osteopaths are quite different in my mind they're not like they they don't give you medicine usually they give you posturally corrective exercises Mm. Uh, that's why I think if he does have a finisher it should be called the PA the posture adjustment oh right (laughs) And maybe yeah, if you a lot of back cracks, yeah, you know, drop in the yeah. yeah, back sorry, back breakers, torture rack, oh, you know, all love, yeah, yeah, absolutely, those styles of move. And just, and while he's doing it, screaming, "I'm trying to help!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is for your oh, own good. good. Uh, and lastly, Zachary Linder sent in on <laughs> April 5th. Uh, I had the idea of submitting a wrestler like this a while ago, but didn't. So I'm just going to throw this into the ether and see what happens. General- Fun story. General Eric Guy is a young wrestler. You are, we are tired today. Oh, this, is catty. A, I'm being catty. <laughs> this is like the Saturday shows of old. Remember when we used to record them the very last thing on a Friday mm. and we'd just completely given up on the week? We, well, sometimes that's fun. Today, today I just feel a bit genuinely tired. <laughs> I, I, in my defense, I did try and perk Holly up by giving him a gummy bear before he came in. It was a vegan gummy bear. <laughs> it was a lie. Uh, General Eric Guy is a young wrestler with aspirations to be like the great wrestlers of yore. He wears black trunks and knee pads and often accessorizes them with his own merch or items the fans have given to him. Because he's always loved the way babyfaces were pandered to the crowd, he always gives his merch on the way to the ring and sometimes fans then give him gifts that he wears during the matches. Despite his wild imaginations and dreams, Jen Eric Guy is not a very good wrestler, often acting in enchant- uh, enhancement talent and his enchantment then, enhancement talent while being a crowd favorite whenever he gets featured. He can do the grabs, but Eric often has to depend upon his opponent to carry him through most matches. His finisher, when he has to, uh, is yet to pull it off, is a delayed vertical suplex he calls the suspension of disbelief. Should be noted, General Eric Guy is a blow-up sex doll with basic ring gear and short brown hair uh, that the bookers threw into the crowd to make it look on his way to the ring and almost won his first match, but... Um and endearing desires and raucous fans and attendance give him a sentience uh, and will to ki- completely changed here now that took uh, a left turn a t- totally left turn I'd have started with this uh, this was an improved version of my original idea um, what was the original idea apparently it was the uh, uh, the child of Vince McMahon named Hugh hope you like it uh, and hope it's proper crap cheers I mean it, it is proper crap I don't think it's our style of crap uh, so yeah it's, it's just Generic guy, oh, but and and you get quite a way through that. I was like, yeah, it's, that's it's not bad. Uh, I think we've got quite a lot of wrestlers where the joke is they're just not that good, so we're kind of full there on the roster. Uh, but then to then swerve and say, oh, by the way, it's a sex doll, and all of the stuff 
is just the crowd willing him to be real. I feel like that needs to be set up. Yeah. And and you need to make us believe in that first. Yeah, I was going to say that's not a that's not a swerve. That's just changing your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm yeah, I I'm, I'm not really sold on any unfortunately this week. No, I'm not feeling it. Sorry guys. But if you want to send something into the mailbag, all you've got to do is become one of our pledge hammers on Patreon and leave a comment in the community tab called Mailbag. Don't email them to me. I just will lose them. I'm not very good at this. I'm very bunged up at the moment. That's why I had to do a second take of this. Mm. I really feel it in my nose at the moment. So nice. I'm going to try and I'm trying to read as the best I can. Uh, Chris Jenkins, are you guys planning on bringing Leroy! the result? <laughs> Are you guys planning on bringing the rest talk hammers to the Prince Charles cinema or have the hammers faded into obscurity with the Bludgeon Brothers being dissolved? Um, we didn't actually get a chance. We had to carry all of our merch to the Prince Charles cinema, so we actually couldn't carry the hammers as well. One of them is there, and the other one's in the office, I think. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> this is great audio content. Um, yeah, so uh, we, we had to carry lots of merch and magazines and stuff to sell, so we couldn't actually take them down. Uh, Razman's Reality asked, Hi guys, I don't know how this would work with YouTube. Uh, perhaps patrons automatically becoming paid subscribers, but I was thinking that it would really be beneficial if there was a way for patrons to be noticed better in the live streams and comments in general. It's not easy to support both there and in the Super Chat, just some food for thought. Yeah, I, I, I wish there was, unfortunately. We, we do have a plugin where we can see... Who like the the people who have commented on the YouTube videos? It says who's pa a patron. It says patron. Yeah, and we always guys. try and reply to those when we when we do our you know when the videos first go live, but uh, that hasn't they haven't got that functionality for the live chat because it just goes. Yeah, I just don't think they have it. So yeah, yeah. unfortunately, we can't we can't do that. I'm it's afraid. A question for YouTube more than us. Yeah, um, plus the, the 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 way to get, you know, the the Patreon part of those super chats is this bit. Yeah, yeah, on the breast ramble. You haven't noted who this uh, was written by, this next question. Oh, it's same oh, guy. Same, oh, same yeah. guy. I love it. I've grouped them in. Nice. I like it. As, again, from Raz. Uh, says, hi, guys. With the full knowledge that this is WWE and they won't care about making sense, with the wildcard rule feeling like step one to the end of the brand extension, can you give us a quick fantasy booking on what you, uh, the next storyline-wise will make it feel like a big deal? Uh, with your screening of Reddit's Rumble this week, I was wondering what your favorite wrestling movie is. Mine is Fighting With My Family. Uh, favorite wrestling movie, uh, The Wrestler, I think, is, is oh, tremendous. It's tremendous. It's just like yeah. an absolutely incredible film. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but the second, just a, second is Walking Tall. Just a broken down old piece <laughs> of meat. Uh, but you yeah, want the, Jake Saddle, lady? <laughs> and the that was really my first introduction to indie wrestling. Oh yeah. So when did that come out? Two thousand eight. Um, I think I just got out of university. So that makes sense. Yeah. Like I knew there was WWE, and I was watching TNA Hardcore at that time. Um, but I, d I didn't really. I'd heard that there was thing called this thing called Ring of Honor because someone told me that's where CM Punk had come from. But that, and I was like, sounds rubbish. Uh, but then, like seeing the CZW stuff, and wasn't the final scene filmed in front of a Ring of Honor audience? It is, yeah. So that was actually, yeah, With I just Ernest the Cat Miller. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of fantasy booking, just off the top of my head, I'm going to do it retroactively to make it better, which is where you keep the brands distinctively separate for a very long time and then because that's what I think the wild card rule is actually 
you know, it needs a lot of work to, to say what the actual rules are, but it's actually quite a good idea if you're having falling ratings. But the reason it doesn't feel special or in any way impactful is because you've had six months of throwing stuff at the, at the wall and the brand split hasn't been an effect anyway. No. With Becky on both brands before Mania. I just felt like even before Mania, <coughs> people were just showing up on any brand that they wanted. Yeah, and you just had the superstar shake up and the bar in the Raw main event after Mania. So it just, yeah, this doesn't, it just feels like this is how it was happening anyway. Yeah. As opposed to this exciting new change. I completely agree. Um, Lorenzo asks, uh, can you guys tell me the entire story of what's going on with Lucha Underground? I feel like I watch all your news episodes, but I must have missed you talking about it when it first started going down. Can you direct me a video where you broke the story down? Mm. Uh, you, you replied to this on the chat. I, I don't think we have actually. We it's, it's always in my notes of all the stories that are going on. But there's just... Lucha Underground isn't a very watched show. No. Uh, it's one of the reasons why there's not another season. Yeah, even when it was at its most popular, well, we did cover it, uh, it, it, it very much isn't now. And it's more just a it, is a... it is a rather fascinating story. To the best of my knowledge, everyone who's... Most of the people who signed on for season one had seven-year deals. Yeah. And he, that was... I think it was seven-year deals after the transmission. Most of the guys... The, the sort of non-compete thing or their contracts still still were in effect after the last TV episode had aired. Mm. So even though some of the guys would have filmed the season three was the last one, wasn't it? I think Season four. Oh, was it season four? They would have filmed that in March, say. It's not like they can work six months after on TV. They can work six months after once those episodes have aired, which actually ended up being December. The following year, basically. Yeah, the following year. So... Yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a really, really cynical situation. Uh, I think it's it's created a lot of bad PR for Lucha Underground. Very much so. Which they and they desperately they need. Case. Yeah, they desperately need fan positivity around them. Yeah, I don't think anyone believes they're going to get another season. Well, no, I mean, as, as I mentioned, <coughs> we uh, we interviewed Johnny Impact for our podcast, and I asked him about the Lucha Underground situation. As essentially, it was like, can you sort of like explain in layman's terms what is going on and like i don't think he could either mm -hmm. like and he works there uh, or he worked for them so it's a situation where there are some stars who are suing them to try and get out of their contracts there are some who've got contracts that didn't really need to be getting out of they mm -hmm. just they can work wherever anyway uh lucha underground had a deal with impact so i think impact guys have been okay uh, willie max now out of his contract which means he was just able to sign with impact rather than go through the court case and everything like that. So it's a really messy situation mm. with Lutra Underground. But going to Johnny Impact, it's very unlikely that we're going to get another show of it. Uh, and he also asked, why do you guys pronounce Piper Niven and Walter's names with a V? I love that question. Mm. Because it makes total sense, doesn't it? Vol well, Walter's easy because in Austrian, in, in Austria, you sort of pronounce W's as V's. Yes. Like uh, Wim Wenders and we, uh, Wagner. When we were at uh, Progress, before we uh, we went up to go to the meeting room where we we're going to meet Volta, and the guy who said like, "Oh yeah, Volta will be up at, at three. And he you, said Walter. Uh, he said, "Did he say Walter?" He said Walter, and I said, "So you're calling him Walter?" <laughs> and he went, "Well, that's what he answers to." I'm like, Jesus Christ! I'm, not, I'm just not going to open my mouth then. <laughs> Why would you chance it? What did Chris Roberts call him? Uh, I think he just went like this. Yeah, you silly bastard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Piper Niven. This I love this one because Piper Niven—that's her name that she wrestles under in NXT UK. Yes, 
but she used to wrestle everywhere else. We know her as Viper. Viper. So we're not saying Viper Niven. We're saying Viper Piper Niven. Yeah. Thing. They're, they're, yeah, different different names. <laughs> and she had to be called Piper Niven because of the Viper Randy Orton. <clears throat> mm. Uh, Craig Roberts says uh, thank you for reading out my WrestleTalk Get Better email uh, maybe just say that Manchester may not have been the capital of culture but we did get the 2002 Commonwealth Games I might add cheers for the Current. support uh, and there's a lot of abandoned trolleys here in car parks can you see Road Dog join his new age outlaw tag brother Billy Gunn in the AEW creative team I think that's a really interesting question because Road Dog has history of going to rival WWE promotions. He does, yeah. You know, he was he was in TNA in the early days. Wasn't it him, Jeff Jarrett, Jerry Jarrett, in a boat yep. who came up with TNA? Uh, yeah, and they uh, Road Dogg led the invasion when uh, TNA invaded a WWE pay-per-view mm. where they sort of went backstage and handed out cookies to Rey Mysterio. Yeah. Um, and then later on in their TNA career, him and Billy Gunn were uh, the Voodoo Kin Mafia, VKM, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, which I actually would say is possibly the worst tag team name I've ever heard in my life. Because <laughs> it's got nothing to do with either guy. Yeah. And they would uh, do these shoot interviews where they would call out Paul Levesque mm. and, uh, and they would call out Michael Hickenbottom to like a street fight in a car park because they, they didn't like Triple H and Shawn Michaels at the time because they were doing DX over in WWE. I feel like... It's mate, quite embarrassing, really. That seems like... They, they both seem like... Are much more mature guys now, though. I, that, that, seem, that seems very I mean, much of the noughties. Yeah. That's, that seems very much noughties. Guy just lost his job because uh, Bret Hart said Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they went out there and just said Vince a lot. And Road Dog was really mature dealing with people on Twitter. <laughs> I, think, I think they put that behind them. But it, yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah. I, I, I've always liked Billy Gunn. I think he, he seems like a safe pair of hands. Yeah. Uh, and if, if they need someone to blame everything on, Get Road Dog in as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, Will Hate asks, uh, do you guys uh, do you think it's undervalues the WWE Universal titles at all? Because two of the last three change uh, title changes have been based on dick kicks behind the referee's back. Brian over AJ, Seth over Brock. Just wanted to see what you guys thought. Keep up the consistency. Thumbs up. Love you guys, except Randy. No to Brian. I think that's a huge part of it because he was a baby was face who heel. turned heel. Yeah. Perfect. And he did that because he thought he was justified because he thought he was saving the planet. No problems. Massive problems with Seth. Yeah. You're a baby face. Don't sink to the guy's level. Win clean. Even if he's like, he jumped you at the start of the match and all this stuff. Just win clean. My favourite moments, and I had many, from uh, Ready to Rumble when we at uh, the Prince Charles, was... Spoilers for the end of the movie. When the babyface Jimmy King low blows Diamond Dallas Page so that he can win. And you almost, you went, oh... Like, threw your hands up in the air. It's like, even in 2000, this was a problem. That was facetious of me. That was a different time where everyone was allowed to punch people in the dick. Yeah. That was just like, that was like a hip toss back then. Also, I think bull shots in that movie take out, like, if you took out all the bull shots, it would only be half an hour. Mm. Well, the, 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 the credits are just people <laughs> getting hit in the dick. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Bayless says, Hi guys, uh, being a long-time follower of the channel, I remember some time ago, Ollie mentioned that he watches and or plays snooker. As a snooker fan myself, I thought I'd try and get into the old wrestling-related question, and I finally think I have one. <laughs> While watching the World Snooker Championships the last couple of weeks, I had a thought. At big snooker events, the live audience have the option of an earpiece to hear the commentary. My question is, would a similar scheme add anything to the experience of a wrestling show? Not necessarily WWE shows, as I don't see anyone choosing to hear Michael Cole's voice. That may be good for the benefit of those who might not be familiar with the promotion yeah it's an interesting idea this i mean snooker commentary is one of my favorite 
things in the world. Just as like, because it's just two old guys talking about angles. <laughs> and they're just like, well, he could go here. And, he go. and then one of them makes a little joke and they go, <laughs> and it's so you know like some people like the sound of golf or cricket just that yeah oh I love that sound yeah like my ba- my summer days were background snooker commentary I just I just love it uh, but yeah but the, the, one of the reasons that works is because it's so quiet and it's not really a high octane game yeah. it's hmm one shot walk around for 90 seconds hmm one shot so there's a lot of Space and and yeah, all the crowd really have earpieces in. I've never had the pleasure to go to the Crucible or anything, but that I would definitely have an earpiece in to listen along with the commentary. <laughs> <laughs> and you sometimes like they'll make a joke, and you'll hear the audience go <laughs> 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 along with them. <laughs> and I'm there at home going. <laughs> uh, but this is angles. Uh, so it would work for like a New Japan crowd who were traditionally very quiet. I like the idea of. Because there's so much that you from good commentary that can add so much to the match. Well, I was because when we went to Progress on Sunday, mm-hmm. if they had someone telling me, or, or like you know the commentary going, always oh, trying to maneuver around for this bit and, yeah. and getting this hold, that could be really dangerous. Or picking up on stuff I can't necessarily see. I didn't see that Trent Seven had the ropes. Yeah, for the pin, that was a huge part of the finish. Um, but yeah, the commentary would have pointed that out to me. I think so. I'm I'm actually quite for that. I think it's a good idea, uh, and yeah, it doesn't get rid of the social aspect of watching wrestling because you can just go, hey, what's he? You know, like yeah. a silent disco almost. Yeah, you just take it off and talk to people. You just take it out and all go. <laughs> <laughs> I um I just think back to <coughs> NXT UK where we didn't need earpieces because we could hear Mauro Ronaldo doing the commentary from the other side of the Royal Albert Hall. Brilliant. That was excellent. <laughs> yeah, the the key to it is it has to be very good commentary. Yes. Absolutely. Actually, we usually hear it at Rev Pro as well because we usually stood right by Andy Quilden doing commentary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that guy who wants to support says, uh, I've said before and I'll say it again that Vince's character isn't crazy. He's just a lazy, lazy plot device. So that isn't a question. <laughs> but I included it because that's a really good way of summing him up. Oh, yeah. He's just a plot device that, that with no explanation. I, I thought that, was, that really hit the nail on the head. Nice. Good work. Uh, going back to the commentary for yes. Rev Pro. I distinctly remember hearing Quilden's commentary talking about working a body part over mm. and thinking in my drunken state, he is working over the body part. <laughs> and that made me more invested in the match mm. because now I was watching that story being told as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it does work. Yeah. It does work. Uh, Rockstar Dougal says, question for Ollie. As a postman, I walk 10 miles a day and I would like to know if, uh, how much of amounts of walking is enough to be classified as an exercise. So if you're not a podcast listener, Ollie Davis is on a vendetta at the moment <laughs> against people who walk and are claiming that is exercise, or saying correctly that it's exercise, and he is on this sort of like, I don't know, mission. He's on a, he's very much on this train that walking is just not exercise. Okay, so I I think uh, to, to to reclarify my position, anything that you do as part of your everyday life, walking to the station, doing a pull up over a door. Is is an exercise everyday life? Yeah, so so more than walk inside. That is an exercise. Uh, I I would struggle to say anything under an hour of continuous walking is an exercise. Okay, there you go. But ten miles is a long way. Mm-hmm. And if you're on your feet all day, see, yeah, if you're on your feet all day, like I'm sure, if you put a pedometer on someone on a shop floor, they, maybe they walk about six seven miles and they're always on their feet. Now is that exercise though? <laughs> 
Or just doing their job. Or just doing their job. But they're getting exercise doing their job. Hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a philo- I think exercise is walking. I think exercise Sorry, exercise, exercise is, is a, like I ride my bike to work. I don't count that as exercise. Well, I think that's good though. I think that's some good exercise for you. But then I'm like, oh, I won't go to the gym today because I've already done my exercise. When really, the 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 gym exercise is like ten times more effective than this little bike thing. But at least you're doing something. Like I think that's your problem is that you have like you've put exercise as a word up on a mm. pedestal mm. that you, you've got to be like sweating profusely mm. and you've got to go to the gym in order to do that whereas actually exercise can be done anywhere around the country and anywhere around like your day-to-day life i agree with you my my standards are higher <laughs> people's physical well-being so yes that's let's move on Dwayne says, Happy Saturday, WrestleTalk, Screenstalker, and Swaff Nation. Last week, I pitched the idea of Daniel Bryan making a return at Money in the Bank, but becoming more unhinged and delusional over losing the WWE Championship. Since he returned this week, I have a different fantasy book for you guys. What if Bryan targeted the WWE Championship for another month, wrapping <coughs> up his program with Kofi at Stomping Ground, since Bryan doesn't like the Saudi Arabia shows, letting Heavy Machinery get an extended program as the tag champs for a bit, only for Bryan and Rowan to target the tag belts because of what Heavy Machinery stands for. Uh, I could state a little more of the fantasy booking, but I don't want it to go too long because you guys have a show to do keep up the great work Dwayne yeah well this was obviously written prior to Tuesday night mm. uh, but yeah I, I I I really like what WWE have done love it uh, so I, I would say yeah I wouldn't want to maybe have the, the best I could see a, that wasn't the tag things now is maybe Brian Owens and Kofi or maybe a New Day versus a Brian faction with Owens as part of the New Day. Mm. Yeah, so the, the the only way it would have worked really if Owens didn't turn heel and you continued out and you believe that Owens is with Kofi more and more. Yeah. You see Owens' interview? No. And he said that, I think it was a mistake to turn me. That's, I wouldn't really? have done it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, but then like there was a little bit at the end of the interview where he says, but now you know when I turned, I felt like it actually I was wrong. It was the right moment. Like You're just saying you're just that. Saying that. <laughs> you know, you're a Save smart guy. Face. Uh, Luke on uh, the Patreon says, I know Vince is a majority stockholder in WWE, but is there a way for the board to force him to give up creative control? I know they can't vote him out, but if uh, what if they threaten to get uh, to load off their shares, which would drive the stock price down, uh, costing Vince million? That's highly unlikely, but a man can dream to a better WWE product at least until AEW arrives. Yeah, I don't know if that would work, and I, I don't think like a like if they sell if they sell their stock. That and Vince calls the bluff, then they're just out. Yeah, <laughs> and Vince would probably buy it back. Yeah, so uh, I yeah I don't think that way would work. Um, I'm t- trying to think of ways you can remove. I was going to say I people. think with him being the majority shareholder, unless he's like declared unfit. Yeah, mentally unfit. I don't think you can remove him. But you know, mm. then there's going to be cases of where he can just do tests to prove that he is mentally fit to still yeah. run the company yeah. and, and still do this sort of thing. Just because you don't like the booking doesn't mean that you can yeah. vote him out. Unfortunately, we're, we're stuck with it, Luke. But he has—he had, you know—he does still have moments of, of genuine genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the Kofi stuff is is phenomenal at the moment. I Daniel think Daniel Bryan and Rowan. Daniel Bryan and Rowan. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Robert Ray asked, I'm a new Patreon and will be listening to the classic pay-per-views while traveling to London for the Raw and SmackDown shows. It's going to take nine hours to get there and at the same time getting back home. So it's a lot of podcast time. What is your favorite classic pay-per-view review you've done? Uh, so I know what to listen to first. Hmm. 
That's a good question. That is a good one for so Wrestle Ramble Extra. One of the favourites we've done. WrestleMania X7 was a fun one. Yeah, long that was one. fun. Yeah. Long one as well. Long show. Uh, I really enjoyed Takeover Toronto. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. Halloween Havoc 98. Man, that, that was. And uh, actually, do you know what? Another one of my favourites uh, Bad Blood 97. Because mm-hmm. it is just a lot of. Bad, 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 bad yeah. wrestling, and then an amazing main event. And there's a that lot. Main of... event is incredible. Shawn <laughs> so Michaels and the Undertaker, first ever Hell in a Cell. But that undercard is absolute tosh. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. Um, he's got another question here. Uh, I liked Armageddon 2000 as well. That was the a fun one. Yeah, with the six-man yeah. Hell in a Cell. Mm. Like Hell in a Cell matches. Yeah. Um, oh, so we're going to be doing Takeover Chicago for our next Wrestle Ramble Extra, which we're very excited mm. to do. Um, although. I am gutted it wasn't Slamboree 2000. So much shorter. Two and a half hours. Yeah. Oh, treat. Uh, my question is, uh, this is again from uh, Robert says, uh, I, I know you said no for writing for WWE, but would you write for NXT or NXT UK? Since Vince has no control over it, you would have more freedom with what you are writing and not have it changed at the very last minute. Mm. It's a, it's a, I never thought about that. Mm. Uh, but I did, just for me, um, I mean, God, in 20 years' time, when I'm working for WWE, they'll play this clip. I, but I genuinely have no interest in working for anything to do with WWE. Uh, not not NXT, not NXT UK. Uh, I just, uh, I, I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to be associated with that company. Yeah, uh, really working. But it just seems, it just seems like everything is nasty backstage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Also, like I. I've never written for a wrestling show, but I don't know how much fun I would find it. Mm. Like, I think I would find it fun in, like, in theory. It's like, doing fantasy booking warfare can be fun. But also, times we get to do fantasy booking warfare, and I just don't want to do it. Mm. There's a reason why we've delayed this episode, the fantasy booking warfare. It's because it's a topic that I've got very little interest in. So if you're handed something, you've got little interest in writing. I'm not sure if I've got the drive to write that sort of thing. Mm. I think it would be fun, though. Especially the backstage producing parts would be the most yeah. fun. Like doing a skit with these people or yeah. well, working with the wrestlers to come up with stuff that helps yeah. build their character. That's, yeah, that's the other thing. I don't think I'm creative enough to mm. work for a wrestling promotion. I think they're way more creative than I could ever be. Mm. But yeah, working with wrestlers about storylines, maybe I, I'd be, be way more interested in that. And with NXT, you've got such a fun group of toy, like a great toy box yeah. to play with. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I know we don't look anti-establishment, but it would go against my morality to work for any like anything under the Saudi Arabia WWE banner this man is the last boss I'll ever have um, <laughs> uh, now there is a wild card rule do you think the money in the bank winner instead of being stuck to one brand can go for any belt no matter what brand they're on I guess so uh, now there is yeah yeah because yeah. you, like, you could just win money in the bank if like Andrade could then go and win the Universal Championship wow Rollins versus Andrade yeah I guess he'd then become a raw guy but could still go to smackdown but anyone yeah. can go anywhere yeah. uh arbel zaffiri ah, zaffiri zaffiri uh so given the posts uh, that have just been uncovered by lars how dead is his push apparently not according to um wrestle mm. word is that wwe are just hoping that it dies down quickly and everyone forgets about it yeah we talked about this earlier like that, those posts. Those posts have come up quite a few times. I think I've I've at least seen them twice. I think this yeah, second or third time over they've last, come up since, like since November, October last year. Yeah. Uh, so and I, I think they they were, there was a story about them even before then, back when Lars got his Alistair Black match. Yeah. 
Uh, so they come up intermittently, and, and yeah, it's awful stuff he said. But like, it's the, it's the same as the James Gunn thing. Like, just me personally, I'm I'm three different people from ten years ago. Like the amount, and all of us have changed so much physically. You're a completely different person every seven years. Every cell in your body has regenerated. There is no physical shred of you that's the same after a seven-year period. So you're at least one and a half different people. Mm -hmm. And I bet Lars's turnover's a lot faster. He's a big guy. Yeah. So, yeah, and he, he, he put out an apology on Thursday that, that seems genuine. Yeah, to Wrestling Inc. He's already apologised for these posts before as well. And it's just like, yeah, I, I believe people can change. Yeah. And I'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he has. And I hope he has. Yeah, I hope he has as mm. well. Uh, I hope it's not just a empty apology. I hope it's something that he does genuinely feel sorry for. And it is an actual apology, not the Hogan, I'm sorry I got caught, brother, apology. This was a genuine, I, I'm a different person now. I'm a completely different person than I was in 2008. I was an idiot back mm. then. I mean, some might say I'm an idiot now, but I think I'm less <laughs> of an idiot than I was then. Yeah. I was a total tick then. I was at uni. I was in the second year of uni. Yeah. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know diddly squat. Yeah. Uh, Noah Trumbly says, uh, with the reports that WWE ratings are slowly declining week by week, along with loads of WWE talent wanting to leave, and the news that AEW are closer to getting a TV deal done, do you think that with these circumstances, AEW could possibly compete with WWE from their very first TV episode? That's exactly what we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah I, th I think it's definitely possible. If you so what t TBS Turner, all mm. these stations that AEW seem destined to go to. Yeah, are they? Are they are they nationally available? Are they I'm cable? Sure, I'm googling live on air. I don't really know how US television television works. I'm afraid sometimes. Uh, but the yeah, like if AEW. So as of February 2015, TNT was available in about 95.3 million households. That's 89, 81.9% uh, of households with at least one television set in the US. And what about USA Network, where Raw is on? U so it's 95.3. 95. 95. Against? Uh, uh, 116 million. Okay, so USA Network's a bigger network. Uh, so, I mean, like, I don't know what they'd be looking for, but I I think one million viewers for mm -hmm. episode one would be a success. Yeah, that's what Impact were drawing yeah. when they were on Spike. And that was, that was seen as a great success for them. That's just a, off the top of my head. But the... But if Raw's getting 1.75 million by then, yeah, you're right. There's not much distance to make up there. Yeah, I was just trying to see if there's a way to find out what the sort of average <coughs> uh, TV viewership is for TNT, but mm. I can't find anything uh, off the bat. But yeah, maybe if uh, people can let us know in the comments, that'd be really, really helpful. Uh, let's have another question. Uh, this one comes in from Owen. Uh, with Vince hating factions and the brand split on life support, which angle would you have Survivor Series take? NXT versus main roster, Vince versus Triple H. For this year, I think it's got to be SmackDown versus Raw, really. Yeah, because no, the, they are still separate brands. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with with uh, SmackDown moving to Fox, I think that'd be a good way to to kick off this. And I am gonna I'm, I'm gonna put this out again. I feel like I say this every single time. I don't think you'll enjoy NXT versus WWE as much <laughs> as you think you would. I think people think it'll be a really good thing. I don't think you'll enjoy it because there will be a match decision where one of the WWE main roster guys wins and you won't like it. And let's be honest, overall, the main roster's going to win. Like, <laughs> WWE will just win. Like, it always has to. It'll be Raw versus SmackDown in 2018. Yeah. 
Uh, Nicholas Andrews says, I'm currently re-watching the 2005 period of WWE. You poor bastard. <laughs> and just got to when the uh, the BWO returned just before ECW One Night Stand. My question is, what's your favorite joke faction of all time? I would have to be the Mexicals, because every time I think of the lawnmower, I can't think, I can't not think of the great entrance of riding down the ramp on their ride on lawnmowers. Favorite comedy group? I mean, the the right to censor counts. Um, because they, they, they were, were heels, yeah. but... Yeah, I, my mind immediately. They goes were, and to... they were a parody yeah. of the the Parents Television Council. See, I think I'd go with the no right, uh, the right to censor. That's a great show. I didn't think of them. I mean, where do you stop though? Because joke faction, I guess, too cool and Rikishi are a joke faction, mm. and that they were so over, ludicrously <laughs> over. Like they they were more fun to. W- I get more fun watching them than. Than right to censor. So yeah, but they're quite closely linked actually in, in time. I'm sure if you were to ask uh, wrestling memes, he'll tell you it's three MB is the yes. correct answer. Um, or the social outcast. Remember that little faction? Yeah, League of Nations. Oh, League of Dorks. They were a joke. <laughs> they were a joke. Uh, and lastly, from Martin Harmon at Progress Super Strong Style 16, there was lots of anti WWE rhetoric. Trevor Lee healing it up as he signed to NXT. Jimmy Havoc taking a pop at uh, Jim Smallman, saying that he won't book up and coming talent as they don't work for WWE. That was a joke, but still. And David Starr winning the whole thing and his independent message. It was the story of the weekend. What influence do you think WWE has on these promotions? And could it possibly be simply a talent sharing arrangement and the owners just work for WWE. Can't imagine that WWE would want to put these shows on the network and this storyline appears to be going forward for the next few months or so. It is fascinating. Did you see the in, like the corporate announcement that multiple tiers are coming to the WWE network? I feel like that's been coming for a long, I long know, time. I know. It's like, uh, okay, so I was still decorating my house <coughs> when they were doing, I was listening to the Observer Radio and then sort of like, yeah, yeah, tiered. Tiered stuff this coming. Is that like, was like Michelle two... Wilson announcing it. Yeah, but uh, like George Barris has said it on Investicles okay. and stuff like that. So I, I just feel like it's one of those things that apparently it keeps getting said. I think it will happen. I don't know if it happens this year. But it feels... It's, I'm at the point now with tiered pricing where I'm like, we've been talking about this for a long mm. time now. The But the, the, there was a story this week where Tony Storm was meant to face... Uh, Kaylee Was it B Priestley? Sorry, yeah, B Priestley. It's in my news today. Yeah. Oh, I news yesterday. <clears throat> and... They, so do you, well, you, you say, you know, uh, so, yeah. So, Stardom had booked B Priestley versus Tony Storm for the World of Stardom Championship. But B Priestley is an AEW talent, Tony Storm's with NXT UK. And WWE said, no, not having the match because Tony Storm would have to lose. Bearing in mind, this is a company that has said in interviews, wins and losses don't matter in the modern day of wrestling. Mm. Apparently, they do if the WWE person has to lose. Again, going back to that WWE NXT thing, wins and, loss, wins and losses will matter on yeah. that day. Um, so yeah, so they, they had to cancel the match and Stardom had to put out an apology saying we can't do this match beyond for circumstances beyond our control and they've had to change the lineup. So if they can do that to a promotion where they don't have any like connections to really, it's just their performers, some of their contracted talent are wrestling in them. And in Japan as well, like not even in the UK where they have more of a stronghold. And someone who's not a main roster talent, it's Tony yeah. Storm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Progress, you know, Jim Smallman and, and Glenn Joseph have been seen on NXT TV. They, yeah. they work there. Uh, so so I, I, I don't think they... I mean, they're smart guys. They wouldn't book an anti-WWE storyline where David Starr, a very controversial, outspoken, independent wrestler, beats every single NXT UK guy through the tournament to win... And and that's like that's there as a story. They wouldn't that that was cleared by someone. Yeah. And uh yeah, they wouldn't have just done that 
and chanced it. Yeah. WWE isn't that sort of place, it seems. So it's, it's really interesting because David Starr is... Like, read some of his promos. He's he's not pulling or punches. listen to the interview. <coughs> there, there were two interviews yes. there are on the podcast that was released yesterday. Yeah, yeah. He's, um, he's got a lot of lot of outspoken thoughts uh, in that podcast. Yeah, so maybe it is all a storyline. Yeah. Hot take. Hot it's t- a work, brother. <laughs> and on the uh, the Trevor Lee thing, I think they were just finding a way to get uh, to get him heel heat. Uh, where just begins like, I'm from NXT. That means I'm better than everyone here. I think it was really effective heel heat stuff. Love Trevor Lee. Love the idea of him pointing at his NXT badge because he was really cocky about it and he yeah. just kept on sipping on this bottle of water. But all the cheap heat in the world <laughs> could not undo the fact that when his name was announced, he threw the bottle of water in the air that he was flippantly, that he'd been drinking from and sipping from through his entire entrance. But behind him, the water bottle flipped round and round and round and landed perfectly standing up in the ring. The crowd erupted he didn't even notice he'd done it <laughs> and like, he, he was from then i was like he's a baby face he's the biggest baby face thankfully he lost in about 90 seconds yeah. otherwise the guy was over i was gonna say yeah Ilya dragunov just absolutely wiped him <laughs> out um so yeah so i i, I think that's my uh, jimmy havoc i think he was just like he was having a bit of a laugh jimmy's with. jimmy jimmy's jimmy yeah i'm gonna make you bleed son like well david Starr said that as well that he was just having a laugh with jim smallman to like make sure that you you know you call me the independence mm. in your when you're doing my introduction because it's very important that you make reference that i am not part of one of these companies yeah and like if david Starr's whole thing is just it's not a case of he says in the interviews that we did with him it's i don't see this as us versus them them being wwe it's just us as independent wrestlers expecting more and demanding more and and expecting more from the places that we work and yeah power to him i think he's doing amazing work an interesting one for you. So this comes in from Marcelino. It says, uh, Dear Luke, Ollie, Laurie, Housemate, Simon, and yep, that's all of you. I just <laughs> want to say that the toilet water spout thing that you and Ollie were talking about actually works great. I yeah, grew up the one, B-Day. Yeah, yeah, I grew up with one back in Egypt, and when I moved to Australia ages ago, we had to import one. It's much cleaner and healthier for you than toilet paper. Right. Also, wrestling is big in Egypt, mostly because they think it's real and don't play anything after 2006. Nice. Maybe I they... Wish we did that. They got to 2006, like, this is awful. Like, <laughs> we're just going to get rid of the entire country is abandoning this mm. terrible, terrible product. Yeah. Could be. Uh, it says, anyway, enjoy your day. So there you go. More backup for you. They're getting a B-Day. The bidets. The bidets. Is the, yeah. <laughs> the bidets. Um, so the alarm clock debate. I'm curious about this because this is different to the last civil wardrobe. Yeah. Because me and you were on opposing sides. But here we're on the same side against what I suspect are our beloved viewership. Well, we've got, we've got two emails on the subject thus far. This comes in from Andy, who says, F in love, a snooze. No greater feeling waking up and realizing you have more time to sleep. I think it is actually a bad habit. Apparently, it confuses the brain. That's probably an 80% fact. Much love, Mad Andy, or Andy Matt. And he sent a screenshot of his alarm clock setup. Christ alive. 5.30, Well done, Andy. You've just had an hour and a half of inefficient sleep. <laughs> yeah, you could have I, learned a language in that time. 
Uh, and this comes in from Luke, uh, who says, Hi, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, Pete, the housemate, and especially not Randy Datsun, after he confirmed he supports Liverpool. I'm currently listening to the Tuesday podcast, and Ollie mentioned that his girlfriend sets multiple alarms because she likes to snooze. It made me so happy because I thought my girlfriend was the only one. It annoys me so much because <laughs> on my days off, I have to wake up at the crack of dawn while she just snoozes. <laughs> Keep up the great work. <laughs> That's you truly do make my day when the podcasts are uploaded. Your friend Luke. It's an annoying sound, isn't mm, it? It's the worst. Yeah. I so, wish it was just me going, wake up now! <laughs> so, uh, yeah, actually, the other day, I thought to myself, I need, I need to have a little lie in here. Because usually I'm up at like half five, six-ish. That's usually my sort of mm. time. I was like, I'm going to treat myself to a half six wake up. It's going to be great. I don't have to get up. I'm just going to get up at half past six. I'm going to love it. My wife had set an alarm for 6 a.m., even though she didn't get out of bed until seven. So I was up at six, regardless of the alarm. It didn't matter. It's outrageous. Out bloody outrageous. Um, I didn't have any melatonin last night. I wanted to do a, a test yeah. of magnesium spray on the soles of my feet. <laughs> and? And I had another good night's sleep. So oh. I'm thinking if I do both of them at the same time, whoa. Well, like on that baby. subject, on that subject, Jumping T Smart says, Hi, Luke, Ollie, and the rest of the gang. I heard your conversation on the podcast intro talking about melatonin. wanted to give my feedback. I'm on various medications for ADHD, depression, and anxiety, and I've been taking melatonin to help me sleep for about two and a half years to counteract some of the effects of the stimulants I take in the morning. Mm. I can assure you that melatonin is 100% safe and also that you can take up uh, you can up the doses pretty much whenever you want. I take about three milligrams 90 minutes before I plan on going to sleep, but just try and see what works for you. Yeah, yeah, that's always the key for this stuff is rampant self-experimentation i had someone else get in touch with me separately who said that yeah there's some with adhd uses melatonin to to sort of get off to bed um but he said there were side effects i looked into the side effects uh and yeah it's i mean it's sort of the stuff that they seem to put on everything just as yeah, just as oh, uh, that was a gross noise. To do that into the microphone, I'm so sorry. I'm very bunged up at the moment. <laughs> I, I feel like it's all going to fall out my nose at mm. some point. We're going to have to bring this to a close, uh, close soon. Yeah. I'm so sorry. You, you, you could have talked doing, over it. I was doing so much cocaine, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's outrageous. All that Patreon money. <laughs> I'm using the Patreon contract. The teaser and yeah. <laughs> Uh, this comes in from Martin Harmon. It's a Rusev hay. We haven't had a Rusev hay for a while, mm. but I actually have got a few of them that I'd like to do. But I'm going to do this one from Martin because it's topical. He was part of our Patreon mailbag that we just had on this show. And it says, hello, WrestleTalk, ScreenStalker team, except Randy Datsun. Did you guys enjoy Super Strong Style 16? I went on day three and it was a blast. Towards the end of the show, after the tag match, I quickly popped to the food area to grab some BBQ. I placed my order and while they were dishing up, a man walked over in super casual clothes, the comfortable type that Luke would love, and a beanie. It was none other than Kyle O'Reilly. Nice. I went up and had the most awkward encounter of my life as I struggled to get my words out and I was a nervous wreck. Uh. I managed to ask for a quick picture as I didn't want to draw too much attention to him as he looked beat up and he wanted to eat. I thanked him after the picture and ran away, making my friend super jealous. He was really nice and polite. Such a legend. Picture it didn't happen. See the attach. I tried to contain my nerves excitement, but I failed. Thanks, Martin. <laughs> There's a picture of him. Uh... Carl looks like a genuinely nice... He looks like my mate Dan there. Yeah. He does look tired in that photo, doesn't he? Poor yeah. old Kyle. Bless him. Three days of big wrestling oh, yeah. and, and traveling to the UK. Yeah, but still very, very cool. Um, I, I don't think I told you. I saw Trevor Lee. I passed Trevor Lee mm -hmm. um, when I was coming out of the toilets. Uh, and I was like, hey, Trevor Lee. He just walked straight past me. Yeah. Well, hopefully, I think... I don't know what he's like as a, as a, as a person. But I, I, I hope that's just he's healing it up. Yeah. Because he was a heel. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well. He seems like he, he 
he, he's quite an old school guy in that respect, I, I, I suspect. Indeed. Uh, right, let's have this as an 80% fact to end up for this show. This comes in from Luke Chador. Hello, Ollie. Hopefully the US doesn't go after you. Luke, and certainly not Candy uh, Shatson. I've heard that if you tie a quarter to a string and then pull it, put it into a vending machine, you can pull the quarter and keep using it to pay without actually losing the money. It happens all the times in movies, so it must be true. Speaking of quarters, did you know that quarters are called quarters because they are one quarter of a one US dollar? I figured as much that's what it was. Say what? Uh, all the best, uh, Bernard, a.k.a. Luke. Chador. Yeah, you see that, see that in films and comics and like uh, cartoons and stuff where you tie a bit of string to the quarter so you can like pull it back out of a vending machine. Yeah, that's indisputable. That's the 100% fact. Okay. I thought the 80% fact was that four quarters make up one US dollar. <laughs> I'm going to have to... I mean, email in, folks. What are your experiences of how to break down a, a, a one into four equal parts. We don't have a 25p piece. We just have a 20 piece. Yeah. Yeah. Just but we get, we've get we got a 5p. Yeah. But we don't like put those together and then call it a quarter. Sometimes. Quarter of a pound. Yeah. Quarter pounder. Uh, this one comes with Rich. This could be my last one because I'm gonna, my nose is going to explode in mm. a second. Uh, it says, hello, Luke, Ollie, Laurie, Pete. And I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Nope, that's everyone. <laughs> I just want to share an 80% fact. About 20 years ago, I went on a school trip to the Alps. On the first day, our ski instructor made sure we were all wearing hats. He told us that hats are important because 80% of your body heat is lost through your head. Yeah. I hated every minute of that skiing trip, but I never got cold. Thanks for all you do and keep up the consistent consistency. It's from Rich. Yeah, I've heard that. I don't know if it's true, but... You know, the brain's up there. Yeah. And a lot of the blood flow and stuff have to, has to go up to the brain. I've also been told that if you wear socks to bed, you are 33% uh, likely to fall asleep quicker. Whoa. Because your feet, and this is 80% fact. My brother told me this like ages and ages, <coughs> days ago, years ago, like 10, 15 years ago. Um, your feet are the last part of your body to get to the right temperature before you fall asleep. And your body has to be at the same temperature in order to huh. actually go into like REM sleep. So and your feet are the last part of your body to uh, get to that temperature. I might try that. I always love a sleep hack. Uh, I someone told me as well. I read it last week, and I can't get over it. Have you ever relaxed your eye sockets? <laughs> can't say I have. I didn't know you could do it. It's real. If you just like close your eyes, <laughs> can you relax? Are you relaxing your sleep, your I, eye I, sockets? I, but what do you mean your eye sockets? Exactly. It's just like, it's sort of the muscles around the eyes. And you just, you just kind I of... Just feel like I'm raising my eyebrows. Wait, I'm trying to... I don't think I'm moving the muscles. You know, it's like the most... Ra imagine your face when it's relaxed. completely asleep, though. Yeah. Yeah. So it just said, like, you know, when you sort of... I feel like I was about to fall asleep at that point. There, that, because that's a, it's a Navy SEALs tactic to, to fall asleep really quickly because you, you've got so little time to, to, to have your sleep mm. that you just do this quick 30-second scan of I'm going to relax all the muscles in my feet, then in my lower legs, then in the top. And you get up, and the last thing you do is your, your eye sockets, and apparently you're just like... Yeah? Mm. So there you go, folks. Maybe well, you don't need supplements. I'm going to tell that to my wife, who was complaining last night because I'm all bunged up, that I was snoring like a champion. <laughs> and she had to hit me to make me stop. And I said, did it work? She goes, on the third time it did. Hmm. Uh, that is all we've got time for on this show. We hope you enjoyed our uh, progress interviews that we released uh, this on Friday. Um, and if you are part of our podcast feed, and this is not your first episode, the 
Prince Charles Cinema podcast that we recorded is going into the free feed next Friday. So get ready for that. But if you are one of our Pledge Hammers on Patreon, you'll already have it. And uh, Patreon Pledge Hammers should get WrestleRamble Extra next Friday. It's a big week next week as well because it's Money in the Bank Bank. week. That's right, which means predictions Predictions. will be going up as well. And Wrestle League. And the week after that, it's all elite wrestlings. It's double or nothing. Double or nothing. It's a big couple of weeks here. And mm. then actually the weekend after that's um, wrestling done. It's a uh, Dominion. And NXT TakeOver is after that. Yeah, that's a Blimey. big four weeks. Big four weeks. It's almost the perfect time to get involved with Wrestle League. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Take care. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.